Alright, alright, quieten down now. Live from the Britain Yankee Pub Studios. Another Britain Yankee Craft Beer Pubcast. I can hear the pints being pulled right now. Not a while, dude. Bring the drums in. Let's have a party. Pump up the bitter. Shh, test it. Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Take it away, lad. You are paying for that beer, aren't you? Pump up the bitter. Pump up the bitter. Welcome to yet another pubcast from the Britain Yankee, but as we have talked about, we're not pubcasting from the pub studios, we're pubcasting on the road, and this is number two in our series of being on the road. With me uh, on a St. Patrick's Day weekend is my good buddy and guest host for the day, Ken McMullen from Hotvine. Hey, Ken. Good morning, Phil. A top of the morning to you, sir. <laughs> and McMullen. Is earlier is and earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know. We are recording bright and early here on a Saturday. Um, and very, very kindly, the uh, guests on our show today have come in early and they have uh, wiped the uh sleepy dust from their eyes and i'm very happy to say that we are at ike and oak brewing company here in woodridge illinois and with me sitting across uh from us is the owner and general dog's body i think probably ed ranquest hi ed good morning everyone good morning to you and with him is nathan turtell who is the head brewer and uh the man who has produced all these wonderful beers. Hi, Nathan. Hey, good morning. Thanks for listening again, guys. <laughs> all right. I love it. He's got a very husky voice, doesn't he, Ken? <laughs> you know, he's pretty good. All right. So um, we, uh, I came here, um, I think, about a week after you'd opened. Ken, you came here. That's about a couple about a of week weeks ago. Later. Yeah, a week ago. So we've had, a, had a, a good opportunity to sit down and see how you guys uh, have produced beers and and the quality and everything because you know we're the consumers well i'm not ken's a brewer so you know he's gonna he's gonna technically rate you um not really um so ed uh, tell us first of all the story of ike and oak because that's not you and nathan correct no i'm not ike and nathan's not oak um <laughs> The story is, is a, a couple years ago, I, I, I spent many years working in corporate finance and commuting to the city and working for a big international finance company just wore on me. 20 years, I said I had enough and I started writing a business plan. And it started out as a little craft brewery, little craft, craft beer bar, gastro pub, you know, small 25 to 40 seats. And I made the mistake of taking a trip out to Colorado and did a, a, a brewery, a kind of a brewery tour of Denver, Boulder, and Fort Collins. Bet there weren't many out there, were there? And it was an incredible <laughs> weekend of tasting and, you know, incredible beers and, and just a great weekend. Came back and said to my wife, the business plan is changing. I'm opening a brewery. 
And she said, wow, that's interesting. You, you're not a brewer. And I said, well, I know I'll be able to find a, 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 an incredible brewer. And I said, the, the, trip, the trip out to Colorado just inspired me because, you know, going to a place like Ten Barrel in Denver, going to many of the incredible breweries in Fort Collins and Boulder, New Belgium with their massive uh, brewing operation and tap room and just really cool, um, cool operations convinced me that it was a, it was a great thing that uh, would be a perfect fit. And so I came back and I said, well, the first thing I need to do is find a brewer and ran, a, ran an ad on Pro Brewer and started, started looking around and unfortunately, Nathan answered the call, <laughs> sat down, he brought me on his first interview, he brought me a six pack of beer and, and right then and there I said, he's probably the guy that shows up, if he shows up to an interview and brings beer with him, yeah. he's obviously an incredible brewer and, um, you know, I've, and, and he's just done a great job of creating an incredibly diverse tap list and you know, making a fantastic beer. And when you put the name brewery on your sign, you better produce darn good beer. So that's right. That, yeah. that has been uh, the focus from the beginning is, is making great beer, building a space that's centered around the brewery. Um, my, my one direction to the architect, one, when the plan got going, my one direction to the architect was, I want to be able to, I want you to feel like you're in a brewery from anywhere you sit in the, in the, in the space. Right. And because that's what I recognized on that trip to, to Colorado was all of the really cool places, you felt like you were in a brewery. You felt like you were part of the brewing operation. Um, we have a long rectangled space and sometimes we're, we're in, the brewing, in the brewing area a little too much during service, but anywhere you sit as a guest, you feel like you're, you're in that brewery and, and it creates conversation and it's, it, 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 it's intriguing for the non-brewing folk out there. And it just has created this, this atmosphere in, the, in Ike and Oak that I think is, uh, you know, dragging that, that type of atmosphere from Colorado and, and the West Coast and bringing it to, into Woodridge, Chicagoland, uh, has just been a, a great part of my business. So, um Part of what we do here is to sample your beers and talk about them. And while we've been talking here, before we get to my next question for Ed, is that we have lined up four beers that I chose basically because I, I like the classic styles. And when we get to you, Nathan, we'll talk a little bit about what your opening chat list was like versus what it is now, because obviously things change over time. And Ken, you know how things come on and go off depending mm -hmm. on, on the time of year. And in this particular case, you've done an Irish stout that you put on nitro, obviously for St. Patrick's Day weekend. So what are we drinking here now? Um, a very yeah. <clears throat> seasonal drink, right? This is our uh, Maybach. It's a little early for this season. It's called Madison Junction. It's 7.4% uh, ABV. Cool. It's got a nice, uh, rich, sweet, malty flavor, moderate hop profile. So where did the name come from? I'm the name creator. That's my, my, my two main jobs in the, in the operation are chief beer taster. After Nathan brews them, I taste them. And then I'm also the, the, the person behind the names. So my passion besides my family is, 
uh, hunting, fishing, camping. Um, I plan on moving out to the to the Rockies at some point in my life, and the the direction of the brewery is very you know kind of refined rustic. It has a real kind of outdoors feel to it. A lot of wood. Um, a lot you know we have some big uh, fir timbers throughout the space, and so that's kind of the theme. The theme of the restaurant and and the brew pub is the outdoors so i created i created the names from different places that i've been to different experiences i've been to in the outdoors whether it's madison junction which is a um it's a the convergence of two rivers in montana where i've fished before or maybe it's a ski run that i that i fell in love with at breckenridge in colorado or maybe it's a a fly fishing term that that I've used or a hunting or camping term. So just kind of that outdoor feel kind of get, you know, it's fun naming beers because you can get creative and and a little silly and, and, and have fun with it. Um, so I just, you know, we kind of have a, we have a a long list and, and some of the bartenders and the, the, the front of the house staff are getting involved in it now and wanting to throw names out there. So it's kind of been a fun transition to, Hey, let's just, keep it fun and and outdoorsy and there's a lot of a lot of our staff have our outdoors people as well and they've just you know they've come up with some funky fun right. names so that's <laughs> all the names are something outdoor related whether it's you know camping or, okay. or fishing or whatever so so ken um you're a beer <clears throat> judge i'm not certain what the profile is for a my bock other than i know it's got maltiness and and and, and like Nathan I'll, said, I'll you know. tell you this one so, is right on. It's it's uh, it's malty. It's sweet. It's got the right ABV. Um, it's clean. It's delicious. And uh, I think I didn't realize that my box were quite so high up on the scale comparatively, right? But um, weren't they were they named for May? A bock beer that was named for May is that where it came from? When you say May, yeah, so it would be brewed in the winter and then it'd be served at a fest okay. at the beginning of the summer in May. Okay, so you got yours out for the spring here, which I think over the last couple of days has happened uh, quite it's, well here it's in box season. So it's what? It's box season, so it's appropriate. <laughs> oh, it's box season. And what I want right. to do is always have at least one higher ABV beer on the menu. Yeah. And uh, we're selling a lot of beer, so the, the beers I was gonna turn say, over really guys, fast. When so. I was here, you guys were cranking. It was a Friday afternoon, about 4:30. Um, but yeah, every everybody I've heard that's been here, it's been cranking when they were here. So congrats on that. So Thank the, you. So the one thing that you didn't tell us was Ike and Oak. What's the story behind that name? Because so, your, your logo is a bear with an oak leaf. So right, right. So the got the, oak the name, <laughs> the name started out. It, Ike and Oak is a is a, a a funny kind of story that's turned into this. Uh, like a, you you play telephone with with your kids, and this story is is evolved. The story of Ike and Oak has evolved over the years with my with my uh, wife and five kids. And it started out, Our my oldest son is 21 now. Uh, we, he was one year old, we were a new family. We took a trip out to our first trip out to the Rockies camping. And we had an encounter with a, with a grizzly bear while camping. 
and and think of your your you have a one-year-old kid in a mm. in a tent and and you oh, hear yeah. these noises and you see the signs when you're hiking around bear in the area <laughs> and and you're like hmm maybe there is a bear and you, and you start to you know panic sets in and excitement and so we were in the tent bear came into our campground kind of jostled and we were we were rookie novice campers and you know of course we left food out and we didn't hang it from the trees like the sign suggested and we caught up the next morning and our campground was kind of kind of beat up and destroyed from whatever was in our in the campsite met a a park ranger later that day and he said yeah there's a bear it's a legendary bear that comes into this campground named ike it's a grizzly bear it's uh it's known to uh play with the campers a little bit especially young campers from the midwest city campers as i think he referred to us as very very educated bear to be able to understand that 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 story kind of evolved into this really funny funny story that that my family tells and the graphic designer said you know let's come up with some some really cool logo she incorporated the bear the oak leaf is 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 built onto the into the chest of the bear and it kind of took off from there we put them we put the story on the back of the menu to to help explain it but just kind of it turned into this uh, you know kind of a fun experience as a young family into this you know really funny story that we joke about and my my family has a lot of fun with so yeah. no joking it, it when was, a grizzly bear comes after you <laughs> it's hard naming it's it's you think it's easy but it's really hard naming a business so it was that one stuck in every in it, and it kind of was catchy and and different. So that's where that's where the. Name I was going to say because cool. if people come in, they're going to look for somebody called Ike and somebody called Oak. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we now we we now, we now always say that they're one of the pe- one of the management team is named Ike, but we're not going to introduce you to him. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice one. Um, just a quick cl- a quick question to finish up this segment. Um, you've gone into food in a big way here you have a, a, a full menu i want to ask you about the fish and chips so fish and chips with skate that's even unusual in england what's up with that well as we as i started to you know i, I nathan nathan had had a had a plan for the brewing operation and we, I knew that he would he, he would create an incredible tap list. Then I started focusing on the on the kitchen, and I found an incredible incredible chef named Michael Reed. He's got a decade worth of experience in fine dining. Uh, is a born and raised in Westmont. Um, he's been working in the city for the last you know many years, mm. and wanted to wanted to get out of fine dining. Wanted to experience you know get, challenge himself to to be in a brew pub situation in a brew pub setting and I've always my two favorite things are pizza and beer and I love every kind of pizza and I love every kind of beer I don't have a a specific style that I like to drink more than more than any other and so I I found Michael and he and I said okay here here's your one direction making credit find figure out how to make incredible pizza so he was he was here early on um during construction helped design the kitchen and as we started to talk about the food he said you you know ed everyone's gonna the majority of the people are going to order cheese they're going to pepperoni or they're going to order sausage 
He goes, and I get that, I understand it, but can I do something real? Can I do other things really cool? I said, sure. Let's let's, you know, show me show me what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. So the first menu, the first pizza he brought to me was a braised rabbit pizza with all these funky, creative culinary toppings, and I tasted it. And I'm I I hunt, so I like wild game, and and I ate it tasted it and I was I was blown away by by the culinary experience of it and so I said take that and create you know you, you even though we know everyone's you know the majority of the people are going to order cheese sausage or pepperoni yeah let's do some really fun stuff use your culinary expertise to create some incredible uh, unique pizzas and maybe they maybe the guests won't order it at the first visit but I can guarantee you they're going to go home talking about the braised rabbit or the wild boar pizza or, you know, the pizza with the, with the, with the, the honeycomb and the, the beer mustard on it. And I think that has really um, been the case where people have, now that we've been open for a month, people are coming back a second time and they're ordering those, those the, the more of the funky type style pizzas. I think, I think today's beer drinkers are pretty pretty experimental pretty fickle too but yeah right you've got to have some some interesting stuff sure for, my, my uh, question is today. what about the skate and chips well i was getting that i was getting <laughs> oh, okay. so so he so he asked me and i i said i said michael we i want to have some really fun pub food um bar snacks and i and i want uh you know a really strong pizza menu and i want a burger and i want a chicken sandwich and that's all I want for for sandwiches. I don't want to be known as a as a burger and, and sandwich uh, place. Right. And he said, "Well, what about fish and chips?" And I said, "Well, tell me about your fish and chips." Knowing Michael, and he's a very quiet, you know, reserved guy. And he he I could see like the enthusiasm build when he wanted to talk about his fish and chips. All right. And it it's one of his. Uh, you know, over the years, he said it's one of his signature items that he's that he's prepared. And a lot of restaurants, they only maybe serve it during Lent or on Fridays. Um, and he asked me, he said, what do you think about putting it on the menu full time? And I said, my, my first reaction was, sure, let's taste it. Yeah. And so he said, I said, what kind of fish is it? And he said, it's skate. And I said, hmm, I've never heard of skate. And he yeah. goes, it's basically a, sti- a, a type of stingray. Yeah. I said, okay. Let's taste it again. And so he, he, he prepared it and he showed, you know, we, 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 ho- we house cut our fries. They're, you know, high quality. It, he, he incorporated one of uh, Nathan's beers into the beer batter, which I thought was really creative which and one? fun. It's the cream ale. Ah. So he has a, the cream ale is built nice. is, is, is into the beer batter. And I was blown away by it. It's a really healthy portion. It's, it looks fantastic on the plate. And more importantly, it tastes fantastic. Skate is a very light, mild, white fish. Um, he, gets, he sources it from uh, a real high-quality purveyor. And it's turned into, when, you re- when, I, when we open, I thought, well, maybe skate will hang around till spring. It's been a fantastic uh, addition to the menu. And, and he's really proud of it. So for me, for him to have that passion with the skate has, uh, you know, it's turned into probably a, a mainstay of the menu. And, and I guess particularly popular in winter because you skate in winter. Sure. And sure. with that, we'll take a break. <laughs>
the uh, the next beer that we're sampling off your uh, extensive list of uh, looks like ten that you have, um, Nathan, is your I've forgotten what it is. Oh, the car broken carabiner, which I think a carabine is the thing that you clip on when you're mountain climbing, and it's got that little hoozy that. Opens, Correct. It's a it's close. a mountaineering it's a mountaineering uh, accessory that's really important when you're you know when you're brewing beer or mountain climbing or, or camping. <laughs> so yeah, so the uh, broken carabiner, uh, this is actually one of my old home brewing recipes going back about 10 years ago. And what it is, it's a pale ale in which I uh, put some passion fruit flavored green tea in as a dry hop along with uh, some mosaic hops. And uh, I'm gonna take a little sip of it right here. Yeah, I, I already said that the aroma is very, very pale ale but there's something else there. It's and super fruity, and I, I had this when I was here, and it said green tea, but it was it was so fruity that I, I couldn't figure out what the what the fruit was. I don't think it says passion fruit tea on the menu. Yeah, it does. Look, see? does it? Passion fruit and green tea. Oh, okay. Yeah, there so it's go. it's not as uh, <laughs> bitter as a typical pale ale, but uh, right. get a nice sweet citrus fruity flavor and aroma and then it's got a malty backbone too um we'll come back and talk to you a little bit more about your brewing style in just a second but ed just to kind of finish up in the general about the the location um your space is is very large and i i when i first walked into it i kind of thought oh that they've got food they've got a big area this is kind of like a a ram or a rock bottom feel but the more I came in here, I felt, no, no, it's not that. It, it's a lot smaller. It's a lot more cozy. Um, different beers are going on. So how do you envision this space being used moving forward? Are you, you've got an outside, I think, as well that you can use. Festivals, um, you know, summer stuff. How's it going to transpire? Good question, Phil. We have, so the, the building is 6,500 square feet. We have about... A, out of that 6,500, we've got about a 1,500 square foot kitchen, and the rest is is dining room. We have a, a we call it the North Dining Room, which can be set up as a semi-private event space holding about 50, 50, 50 guests. Then we have a, a game room area that's kind of in right in front of the brew house. That uh, funny has it. We thought it would be more of a a waiting, you know, kind of a waiting area, you know, maybe have a beer, you know, people just wanted to come in for a beer. It's turned out to probably the most popular spa spot in the in the building. Um, we we rearranged, we added a butcher block counter and added some some different stools to the area and people love to sit at the at the we call it the brewery rail in the game room right next to the shuffleboard table because they're literally in the brew house. And, and that's an awesome shuffleboard table, by the way. Thank you, thank you. And so it's turned into really a fun, we now have a bartender that works the brewery rail and it's turned into one of the, one of the coolest places in the, in the bar. And then, we, and then the outdoor space, which we're gonna start to remodel in the next couple of weeks, goes all the way to, um, we have a, a grain silo out there for, for signage, and we should be working? able to fit. No, it's not a working oh, okay. grain silo. <laughs> Unfortunately, with, uh, 
I wish it was because we would save a lot of money on grain. Yeah. Yeah. But we, with that grain, if it was a working grain silo, we would need a uh, we would need to mill the grain, and that creates some uh, some logistics problems with milling grain and open right. flame of the kitchen and and things like that. So it's just a, a really cool sign, and it's kind of turned into a, a you know being on Route 53, a busy four lane highway. Um, it's created kind of a beacon. We light it up at, at night and and people are starting to realize, they're starting to be able to see it from the road with it, with it, uh, you know, at night. And it's kind of a, a fun talking point for guests. And they, now they're like, oh yeah, just turn at the silo. And, and so it's turned into a fun, so we're gonna incorporate the silo into our outdoor space. We plan on having between 50 and 60 seats out there, um, yeah. create a really fun, you know, hangout area we'll set up some dining tables um the the space on the south end of the building is is indoor outdoor we have a, a 22 foot garage door that opens up um, out onto the patio and then we've got two 12 foot garage doors that open up on the east and west so in the in and during nice weather in chicago we'll be able to open those doors and really turn it into an indoor outdoor space and the whole south dining room area and 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 bring the outside in was that part of the original building, or was that put in specifically for opening it up and it was, going uh, al fresco, shall we say? Yeah, no, that was, that was all part of the remodel job. We did an extensive uh, gut rehab on the space. It was Their building was originally built in 2007 as four separate retail units within the Seven Bridges um, retail area. Right. And the hard part was I, wanted, I didn't want it to look like a strip mall. So the first thing we did was we took down some of the exterior elevation, changed the whole outside of the building, and then opened up that whole, the whole south end, right. um, replaced windows, moved a lot of, did extensive rehab on the exterior before we moved inside. So, so do you have any, uh, I, I, I'm going to assume you're planning ahead. I know um, when we were arranging this podcast, we talked with Fred, your marketing guy, Correct. with the unpronounceable last name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, he was very kindly set this up for us. Um, is he setting up some specific events, if you will? Well, the, the great Like a party thing. for St. George's Day? Sure. Oh. <laughs> the, great thing, the great thing about uh, being a member of Seven Bridges is they, they've really embraced the brewery, Ike and Oak, as part of their, their retail association. Mm. And they've, um, they've offered, some, uh, offered and encouraged Ike and Oak to create some events for the, for the, the Seven Bridges retail and so we're planning we, we have some beers rest uh, a barrel aging some beer we plan on doing some kind of a barrel release later in the fall where we'll put together some kind of an outdoor um, event indoor outdoor event um, we're also planning some fun stuff on the summer in in the summer to maybe a street a street fest yay um we've got some creative ideas that we're working on right now and the cool. the rest of the association is uh, all for somebody taking charge and uh championing some fun events for the association so i'm kind of directed fred to start thinking about these events and and you know it's good for me it's good for the association it brings people into the neighborhood mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff happening in seven bridges there's a lot of redevelopment and new business coming in so right. anything that i do obviously will 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 benefit my business but also benefit the community as right. well so well you talked a little bit about special beers um 
personally, I was very, what's to say? I was wondering what I was going to get when I read the description of Broken Carabiner, but the more that I drink it, the more I like it. The aroma is sweetened up to be a bit more perfumey, I think, don't you think? Well, I what I like about it, it's, it's kind of like a New England IPA. It's kind of that new school fruity, but it's beautiful. It's, you can see through it. Yeah. yeah as it uh, sits and warms up, you know, the uh, aroma comes out a little more. Yeah. And uh, it's <clears throat> really easy drinking beer, not too bitter. So I think, you know, people mm. that aren't typically, you know. Soft yeah, is the word I would say. Drink, they'll they'll yeah. try this one and they'll uh, find it interesting. So let's, let's turn our attention to uh, Nathan, who, uh, it, you know, there's, there's front of house and running the operations. And uh, then there's the actual product that probably people are coming here the most for, um, as well as apparently the great food. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, you talked about um, appetizers, the dough knocky <laughs> that you do. Do you still do that? A little knocky with donut outside of it? No, that one got replaced oh, by, man. By, some, by some even better, more cool um, corn, uh, mini lollipop corn dogs. So okay. we, we're going to continue to, um, just like we rotate beers, we're going to continue to rotate part of the menu, keep it fresh and exciting. So yeah, donoki didn't last very long, but now we have some uh, really fun little corn dogs, Too fat, corn dog man. bites that uh, <laughs> that have replaced it. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at those later. <laughs> All right, so back to the beer. So um, Nathan, you've got quite a pedigree in uh, the brewing world. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Did you do home brewing originally? Yeah, great question, Phil. Uh. So uh, <clears throat> long time ago, I used to work in an office cubicle and uh, didn't find a whole lot of passion in my job. My wife gave like me many a of us. homebrewing <laughs> kit for Christmas one year and uh, found that I really liked homebrewing a lot more than I liked my job sitting in the office cubicle. How many years ago is this? Uh, that was about 2010. Okay. And uh, so brewed about 40 batches of homebrew in my first year homebrewing and um, applied to all the brew pubs and microbreweries in the Chicago area. Wasn't really getting any hits on sending my resume and cover letter out there. I was uh, talking to some professional brewers, and uh, they're like, you know, since you don't have any uh, formal education or uh, you know any brewery experience, I, I don't know why people are gonna you know give you a job at a brewery. So you're probably gonna have to volunteer. <laughs> and you know, back then there were probably only about a dozen breweries in uh, the Chicago area. Um, but uh, I changed the wording around in my cover letter to I volunteer. And fortunately, two brothers on Warrenville offered me a job as an assistant brewer. Oh, wow. So uh, really, because, uh, what, 2010, they've been going for quite a while then. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was great to be offered a, a job by them. I was very, very happy to be there. Uh, I started out working on the bottling line. Oh, and then uh, maybe got, not so good, but... <laughs> Well, everyone's got to start somewhere, right, Phil? So, <laughs> uh, was working on the bottling line for a few months, and I got moved over to running our uh, keg machine, filling about uh, 50 kegs per hour, and then uh, was uh, moved over to our cellar area where I was uh, working on aging the beers and then running our centrifuge. Um, 
I was there for uh, about two years at Two Brothers and then was offered a job by uh, Lagunitas to help get the brewery Ooh. open on the west side of Chicago. So I was uh, super excited to be uh, moving over to, yeah. to Lagunitas. And uh, uh, yeah, very, very... Uh, Again, thankful for the two brothers to give me that opportunity to, to, you know, get my foot in the door and get my feet wet in brewing. And, uh, yeah, I had a, a great time at Lagunitas, a great company to work for. Actually, for uh, my first three weeks on the job, they, they sent me and uh, five other guys out to their headquarters in Petaluma, California. Yeah, okay. And um, so we were supposed to absorb the culture out there and uh bring back that knowledge to help get the brewery running it, it was about uh six months of work uh pre-production so we were doing things you know like painting posts and you know cleaning and ordering all kinds of parts and you know setting things it's a pretty up. big space as well right it's yeah it's massive. about yeah. Uh, 250,000 square feet oh, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's big it, but we we had a lot of uh, team building exercises and a lot of camaraderie with those. Uh, oh wait a minute! So in the early morning, you're out there doing your exercises like uh, they do <laughs> out in Japan, you know, all together. And hey, we are the Lagunitas people. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a lot of fun. Oh. <laughs> right, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're kidding me? No, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I spent uh, two years at Lagunitas and then was offered the position as the uh, brewmaster at Baderbrow as uh, we looked to open up the brewery on uh, the second south side of second Chicago. version of that, right? Because that's had a correct. First yeah, actually, the, yeah, the, the, the backstory okay. behind behind Baderbrow is that it was uh, Chicago's original craft brewery. It was opened right. up in the late '80s out in Elmhurst. Yep. And uh, the the new owner. Um, Back when he was an undergrad at the University of Chicago, back in the early '90s, if he wanted to drink craft beer, it would be either Baderbrow as the local Chicago choice or Sam Adams. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. Uh, so then, uh, later on in his uh, life, after he was a financial analyst, he wanted to open up a brewery. He was an avid home brewer, and he decided uh, he found that the, the Baderbrow name had no uh, copyright or uh, trademark protection on it. So he uh, resurrected the brand and kind of by claiming it off the scrap pile uh he first had the beer uh contract brewed at uh, argus on the south side of chicago oh, yeah. and then at uh, stevens point wisconsin as he looked to uh, open up the brewery and uh, that's about a twenty-five thousand uh, square foot warehouse uh near mccormick place on the right. south side of so, the so they used to brew a lot of lager styles right yeah so, so you've had a lot of experience yes, in that yeah so we we brewed uh predominantly lagers besides a, a half a half of eisen yeah um yeah so uh yeah to answer that question phil so back when i was a home brewer i, I like to do you know some creative stuff brew a lot of different styles and then when i worked at two brothers it was mostly ales at lagunitas yeah. it was mostly ales yeah and then at beta Brow, it was all lagers so that was you know kind of a big difference there uh, so here now that I'm Ike and Oak, you know, I'm brewing a few lagers and then, you know, a lot of creative stuff too. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think, what we've seen in this beer, um, Carabina. I'm going to give you my consumer perspective. Worth trying, worth having a second one, different, tasty. Um, and again, I was very, you know, hesitant when I first saw the description, but 
as we always know, you've got to try these things and then you might find a little gem. So we'll take a quick break, come back with another beer that's a classic style that you've got on the menu and we can talk a little bit more about uh, the styles that you are brewing now and what you want to do in the future. Rocky Mountain High Rocky Mountain High Rocky Mountain High Rocky Mountain High uh, So our next um, brew that we're sampling from you guys and we've got a choice of four out of uh, 11 and actually, while I know, note that, number 11 is Brewer's Choice, and uh, it says MP, which I'm assuming is market price. So what we got going on there for that? Right now, we've got our uh, Monkey Nuts Peanut Butter Porter as the Brewer's Choice selection. <laughs> but uh, the reason behind uh, it listing like that on the menu is uh, to kind of uh, finish up kegs at the end so if we're switching between one, one variety to another mid-shift so we'll uh appreciate okay. we'll let all the bartenders know you know this is what's on tap now and we might be switching to this other one you know during the middle of the shift so so they're aware without having to print uh menus you oh know, that's a good idea yeah. right, right. it gives us flexibility to keep keep our product from tank to tap as much as yep. possible we have eight uh bright bright tank serving tanks and it allows Nathan some flexibility to be able to keg off the last few one or two barrels. We have a walk-in cooler that we can then connect, um, connect those those finishing those last those last drops of beer of the really popular stuff, and then be able to continue to uh, roll through transferring more beer from the fermenter to the bright tank. keeps a, It keeps our schedule um, much smoother. And it allows us to maybe hold a beer back for a few weeks and and build some, you know, then we'll, we'll blast it out on social media. Hey, and now tapping this next beer, we're bringing it back for a few days and people kind of get excited about it. It's allowed us to, to get some diversity to the tap list and to be, bring back some old favorites for a limited time. So... Um Ken, you, you do a Hefeweizen, and that's what we're tasting here, something called Lincoln Meadows. Again, a very, a very nice picturesque-sounding um, name. You know, beautiful Colorado green meadow with perhaps the mountains in the background, and I'm sure that's where it came from. Yeah, Lincoln Meadows is a, is a ski run at Breckenridge. Okay, well, um, it'd be white then, not my, green. <laughs> my, my, favorite, my favorite, it's a very picturesque, tree-lined ski run. Um, one of the uh, one of the rated one of the best uh, ski runs in Colorado. Most picturesque. It's long. It opens up in certain parts. But yeah, really a fun um, a fun ski run. So and then so this beer is a uh, creative take on a traditional hefeweizen. It's got uh, some blueberry juice concentrate and a mango uh, along with. That's the, what gives it that that color then, because it's yeah, definitely yeah, so that blueberry yeah. juice gives it okay. that uh, kind of purple pink hue. And you also get the uh, clove and slight banana notes from the Hefeweizen yeast. So, Ken, yours is very, um, I think, to my way of thinking, to style what I think of a Hefeweizen. I have, a, that I have banana a, and clove. I have a very traditional Hefeweizen. Um, and it's, you know, I like the idea of using, uh, I mean, using adjuncts to, uh, to flavor the beers, you know. Um, I, I love I love beer that is 
I think the traditional styles are delicious as they are, but I also know that the beer drinking public wants variety and, uh, and they want it different like every time. So um, what, I, what I like, what I'm seeing here is uh, it sounds like you're using fresh ingredients, like you're using wholesome ingredients to, to create these other flavors. And, uh, and I love that. And I think this one, it's a, it's a beautiful beer. It's, it's pink. When you use blueberries, everybody thinks blueberries is going to turn out like dark purple. But yeah. it doesn't. When you use blueberries, it makes every, it, it just it's pink. I always find but that when you use when somebody puts blueberries into something, if you want it to taste of blueberries, you've really got to put a bunch in there, right? You got to put a heck of a lot in there. Otherwise, it's just kind of a coloring, almost. Um, in this case, I, there's something else in there, and I it's, it's like a little fruity, a mango thing going on there. Yep. Now. Your hops that you use, I n noted that you have uh, a couple that are fairly frequent that, that I didn't really look at and say, oh, I don't know that hop. And one of them is Falconer's Flight, and I know that hop, but you use that, and then there's Horizon, I think, is the other one that you're using. Or, or was it Vanguard? I can't yeah, it's, remember. It's uh, Horizon. And, um, yeah, the reason I use Horizon, uh, it, it to me, it's just a very good uh, general bittering hop so it's got about 12% uh, uh, alpha acids and it's got kind of a delicate uh, citrus or fruity flavor but but for me uh, that works in a lot of my beers as a general bittering hop and the falconer's flight what's the profile on that yeah so that's got um, kind of a nice tropical fruit and citrusy flavor that I use uh, uh, as a late edition hop in my hoppy beers. Okay. So this Hefeweizen, I think, is... is What does that have in it? Uh, wait a minute. Let's check it. Horizon? Okay, good. There we go. And Crystal. Yeah. The Crystal is very used in, in lagers, right? Yeah, yeah. So... so well, is crystal. this a lager or an ale? I, uh, so, I would, so it's an ale. It's yes. an ale, okay. So, I don't know. You know, I just drink the bloody stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so to me, Crystal's kind of uh, an American version of a traditional uh, German hop. So tell us a little bit about why you use adjuncts the way you do and, you know, are you going to have classic styles? And I think the last one we're going to drink is a classic style. Um, well, the but, Maybach yeah. was too. Well, I guess uh, the Maybach was. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that was so, right there. So yeah. Very good question. Yeah, so so I do like to experiment with different flavors in my beers, but uh, I'm also going to have traditional beers uh, always on the menu as well. So there's uh, I've done a Pilsner. I've done a Cream Ale, uh, an IPA. Um a regular keep, IPA, or yeah, it's it's a it's no. an American IPA. Okay, it, it doesn't have any uh, adjuncts in it. Yeah. Uh, I also just brewed a uh, Kolsch just this week. That's not on tap yet. Ooh. I just brewed a, uh, a Bohemian Dunkel, so a dark uh, Bohemian style lager that'll be on tap in a couple weeks. So, how many days a week do you brew here? I've been brewing. Uh, two days a week on average. I brewed three days this week. We've okay. been selling a lot of beer, but we got a, a 10 barrel brew house here. I've been brewing uh, consistently two days a week. So my question, you've got 
some of these fer these are fermenters. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Help me out here, Ken. You know this stuff. But you've also... Yeah, cone, cone on the bottom, Phil. Okay, fermenter. got it. Um, but you've also got stuff in the middle of the brewery which is stacked on top of one another. Are they... Yeah, great questions. And, so and how the hell do you get it up there? Do you have to get up on a ladder? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Phil, what you're referring to, those are our uh, bright tanks, which are our uh, serving tanks here. And we've got eight of them. They're double stacked, so it's a really cool backdrop here. So come check us out. Take a look at it for yourself. But um, so those are 10 barrel size. So there's uh, eight of our uh, beers that are on tap are connected to those uh, serving tanks. And we've got a small walk-in cooler where I've got uh, three more beers on tap for 11 total. Uh, so yeah, and there's six uh, fermenting tanks. Those are the conical fermenters you were talking about. Yep. So it's my challenge to uh, to make sure that we always have you know 11 beers on tap. So uh, it does become more challenging at times when I do want to brew these lagers, which take you know say at least 25 days to age compared to a uh, hazy New England style IPA, Ooh. which takes 10 days to age. Um, so I just need to uh, always be analyzing, you know, how much beer we're selling and how long it's going to take to ferment new beers that I'm going to make. So we should talk about the inimitable New England IPA, um, because obviously that's a very trending style. And you do have a double New England IPA on, the, on here called Mount Massive. And then, do you have like just oh, what's your hopper dropper? Is that a New England? The uh, hopper dropper is just the uh, standard American IPA. Oh, okay. And, uh, Mount Massive, which is the double New England style IPA, that's been our uh, bestseller. That's been on tap for two weeks. The now. which that's one? The Mount Massive. The Mount Massive. Okay, and then right. you also have a milkshake IPA. Yeah, so that's another hazy style with a uh, different take on it. There's lactose and vanilla in that one. And that's called Woolly Mammoth. Correct. That's our number two bestseller. And then the Hopper okay. Dropper IPA is our number three bestseller. So mm. our hoppy beers are selling very well. So in my, my ever-seeking uh, event to try, you know, I, I want to really understand why it is you think these New England IPAs and the hazy ones and the, the milkshake ones sell so well. Yeah, that's a great question, Phil. Uh, <laughs> being a, a brewer and not the, the consumer on this one, I don't have an answer for it, but I know that I'm going to keep making them because people love them. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they're they're the new they're the new crossover beer. I mean, it's the people drinking those are not the seasoned craft drinker. They're they're new to craft, and the reason they're drinking them is because they're they're not bitter, they're they're sweet, and they're very approachable. That uh, they're bringing new people into craft. And, well, and it's it's a good thing, man. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I We always say drink what you like, right? So I've just been approached by another beer <laughs> that uh, Ed went off and got, and that is your Mount Massive, which is the... Uh, now, the description you give it is uh, Double New England IPA, 8.1, so quite high. Um, double dry hopped, hazy, full-bodied, yes. Uh, floral, citrusy, and fruity hop character. You got all the bases covered there. So, you know, tell us a little. Do you like this one, Ed? Are you are you a favorite of these? So or you like all the these? original. The original beer, the original hazy beer that Nathan brewed was a milkshake IPA, and he brewed a ten barrel a ten barrel batch of it, and it was it was popular right from the get go. And 
as we started to figure out our product mix and our and our beer, you know what the beer what our consumers were enjoying that beer was right up at the top as the most popular and nathan said i want to i want to try something a little different keep it hazy cuz obviously the haze craze is 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 alive and well craze. And, and people people have really people really seek out those hazy beers he said, "I want to, I want to ratchet up the intensity a little bit and do a, a double New England IPA." I said, "Go for it, because I think it'll, obviously, it'll sell." Mm-hmm. And so he made this one, and it literally was the most popular beer that we had on our on our tap um, from day one. And it's people like they like the ABV, they like the the flavor, they like the juiciness, they like the hop profile. It's obviously a little bit hoppier. Than uh, than some other New England IPAs, and it's it's been our most since we tapped it a week ago. It's been our most popular beer. So Nathan will continue to build on that on this, the small sample of success with this with this double New England IPA, and we're 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 talking about maybe doing some kind of a series of different varieties of this beer style. So Ken, tell me what I'm looking for in this. <laughs> but I'll tell you if I like it or not in a minute. But tell me, you know, what should people look for in in this type of beer from your well, perspective? You're, you're looking for very low bitterness, uh, if any at all, really. I think most of the hop additions, and looking at the hops, they're all aroma hops. It's uh, Falconer's Flight, Citra, and Amarillo. So are you bittering at all on this? Yeah, you're, <clears throat> you're right. There's no bittering hops in this at all. I've got uh, some Whirlpool kettle additions and then two dry hops. Yeah, so you're you're looking for all fruit, maybe some floral, mostly fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I mean eight point one percent. And that's uh, it. Doesn't taste like it. Yeah, it's very well. <laughs> this is this Usually, bug is going to sneak up on you. I can tell you. If you have you a know, couple the, of these. About seven and a half percent is when you can start feeling the heat from alcohol, yeah. but you don't even. It's it's covered up in this. Um, so. I, can't, I have to say it. This is a very soft, not too juicy, quite easy drinking beer. Um, I am surprised. Uh, it's one of the better ones that I've tasted. And I don't like, when it's like this, I don't like to have something that is, you know, really in your face with the orange and, uh, you know, the, all the rest of it, the pineapple. This is very muted. Well, I think I, I, think I don't see any juice added. So this this Correct. is all yeah, it's, it's, it's all, all beer just, ingredients. Uh, the, the haziness uh, and the juiciness just comes from the uh, the yeast and the hops, and you know the malt gives some sweetness. It's very easy drinking. I'm certainly, and it wasn't one of the ones I chose for us to sample. So I'm very glad that you brought that over. It Mount Massive, where's that? Mount Massive is the second highest second highest peak in Colorado. It's a incredible hike and. It's an incredible name. So we, um, it's we're, massive, we're, right, right. And and being at being over an eight percent ABV, we're like, let's come up with something really cool yeah. and a fun name. And Mount Massive just was was at the top of the list. And it's a it's a great place to go visit as well. Um, so we're gonna create kind of the mount based on this success of this. Uh, double New England IPA. We're going to start to create kind of a, a mount series where we're going to come up with some. You know, Nathan's going to uh, create some really fun recipes and some different varieties of the of this beer, and we're going to kind of call it the Mountain Series 
over the next six or eight months. What are you going to do with Pike's Peak? I don't know. P- <laughs> Pike, Pike's Peak is, uh, we'll have to come up with a different name yeah. for that. <laughs> Brackets, Mount. Okay. Um, two very good beers. The Hefeweizen is very different. Delicious. Uh, we're going to come back now and do a little some nod to St. Patrick's Day when we talk about your... Uh, one that you've got on tap this weekend, the uh, Irish Stout. Yeah, the Brechtdown Irish Stout on the night. Uh, yeah, I'm tap. glad you knew how to announce, pronounce it because I was going to ask you about that. All right, we'll be back in a second. final beer and uh, a, a segment on this show uh, is going to focus on your classic Irish stout which you have produced obviously for this weekend um, St. Patrick's Day being Sunday yes yeah, so our <laughs> yeah. uh, Brechtdown Irish stout so uh, wait a minute it's spelled B-R-A-E-C-D-O-N-N and you pronounce it Brechtdown I'm not Irish uh, Ed can chime in yeah that's no. correct so it's a, it's a Gaelic term pronounced Breck Dunn, and it mean, in Gaelic it translates to brown trout. Ah. Brown beer, we, we, we came up with that fun Irish, uh, Irish name, Breck and Dunn. It, and, in, and in keeping with your outdoor theme. Correct, so that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, good. Okay, so we got, and um, admittedly we have uh, sample glasses here, but um, it's on nitro, right? And that's the only nitro one you have? We actually have another beer on nitro. Uh, so, so this beer is on nitro along with another one, which is a uh, white stout. Ah! Which is called 53 14ers. And the white stout has uh, some lactose and vanilla along with some espresso and chocolate. I remember that one. I tasted that when I first came in. And that was the one that challenged me most. And I had to go back and say, don't drink with your eyes, drink with your mouth. But once you've drunk with your mouth, open it up and see the surprise that you have in your glass. Because, you know, when you, when you talk about a white stout, I mean, white stouts never existed, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, that's right. It's a style that, is, <laughs> yeah. is it really a style or not? And it, I don't know. So how do you, right? uh, so, so let's diverge for away from the classic. How do you make the stout white? Is it because you're putting a different malt in it? Right, yeah. What, so, what so makes I'm it using a stout? More, uh, more pale malts, but uh, want to give it some of that uh, creaminess and some of the roasted flavors without uh, putting in the dark roasted malts. So, so what makes a it a stout? You're replicating the the flavors that you get from those roasted malts with other things. Ah. Got it. So okay. that it's still a light-colored beer, but it has the stout flavors. And, of course, it does not refer, I don't think, to the body because everybody says, oh, Guinness, that's a real heavy beer, but it's more one, one of the lightest beers that you could have in terms it's, of stout. Guinness is a diet. <clears throat> excuse me, is a diet beer. <laughs> Seriously. it's it's. I think it's below 4%. That's right, yeah. So when you pour uh, the the black and tan, right, you pour uh, the harp first and you pour the the Guinness on top of it. And the Guinness, since it's uh, lighter in uh, body or specific gravity, the the darker beer actually stays on top of the lighter colored beer. I know black and and tans were quite popular about uh, 20 years ago and you got that little spoon that you can put it on. So now it's very difficult to find the traditional, which was bass originally, that traditional one um, that you put on the bottom. But Smithick's is uh, an acceptable 
Bass and Guinness was a, a a half and half, right? Well, I used to call it a black and tan. What was the tan bit on a black and tan then? That was the harp. Was harp. The harp was the ah, black. black. And, the harp was oh, the okay. black is, and tan. Harp is an Irish beer. Yeah, but Bass is a Guinness. There is an English a, beer. Yeah, I know that. Okay. So. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Well, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting correcting, but that's all right. Anyway, back to the Irish stout. So, um, what makes an Irish stout an Irish stout? And it isn't because it's green. Thank goodness you have no green beer. Please say you have no green beer. No green beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, the, the base malts I used, so I used uh, some two-row base malt along with some uh, uh, roasted barley and um, some some black malt. Um, I used some East Kent Golding hops for the hop addition here. All right, so we got a little British in the Irish. <laughs> what are you looking at me like that I'm, for? I'm, because I'm I'm like racking my brain for an Irish hop. I don't. I, Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. I don't know if any buyer shops exist. Maybe you could have used the potatoes. Shop. Guinness probably buys it all, so there's, no, there's none available to, <laughs> yeah. the, to, the, to the public. Yeah, yeah, right. So uh, as I drink this, um, it's got a delicious kind of dry roastiness to it. Um, exactly it, it is it, light. Yeah, it's a, a, an it. Irish stout is generally a lighter beer, lighter bodied, lighter ABV. Yeah. And, uh, and it's got a, a fair amount of roasted barley usually to get that dry roast finish in it. And uh, this one, it's, uh, the taste is right on. We've got really small taster glasses and it's, it's a little light yeah. in the color. But yeah, you this guys is the were, first time were... I've made uh, an Irish stout and uh, the color's not quite as dark as I would like. So the next time I make it, I'm gonna uh, add some more uh, bitter black malt just to give it some some more color yeah yeah that's okay it's delicious yeah, it's still tasty though yeah <laughs> it's Na- tasty nathan, and it's on nitro man that's nathan cool. told me um he said i'm gonna brew an irish stout i said oh great well let's make sure it's ready for saint patrick's day we had it we tapped it on monday of this week and i tasted it and you know being the chief t- beer taster i was like wow fantastic guinness is one of my favorite beers and I was like, wow, incredible. That's a, that's a great Irish stout. And he said, oh, by the way, this is the first time I ever made it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, nice job. Cheers to that. And so, right. yeah, super proud of this beer, uh, having some Irish heritage. And I thought Nathan did a great job with, his, with, this, uh, with our inaugural Irish stout for St. Patrick's Day weekend. Yeah, yeah, one of the things I love about brewing here at Iken Oak is the amount of uh, creativity and flexibility that I have. To, to put things into perspective, so I brewed uh, about uh, 20 different varieties of beer here, and uh, we've been open for just over a month now. And uh, at my last job at Baderbrow, in the two and a half years there, I brewed 21 styles of beer. So I've almost brewed as many styles here in a month and a half as I did in uh, two and a half years in my last place. And that was due to uh, uh, a few factors, but one is that... Uh, so we had 100 barrel fermenters there, and uh, we were selling about a third of the beer in our tap room as we are here at Ike and Oak, and I'm, I'm using uh, 10 barrel fermenters here. So we're going through batches of beer, and you know, a couple of weeks here, and it would take, you know, I, I had beers sitting in our huge walk-in cooler at Baderbrot. They were sitting in there for two years, just because we, the owner wanted me to fill these huge, you know, 80 barrel, 100 barrel fermenting tanks, but the beer wasn't being sold so right and you, you got to keep you got to keep the beer fresh i'm sure you guys you know know that so now 
we're drinking a stout, and that leads me on to kind of a, a, a follow-up question and uh, getting to the end of our podcast. Stouts are, uh, and imperial stouts are always great for putting into barrels. And as I came in, I noticed you had a, a great line of barrels there just by the shuffleboard uh, uh, area. Uh, by the way, is that a problem? Do people sit on the barrels? People do sit on the barrels. We've had to uh, fortify them a little bit. and But actually, it's, you know, once they're full and, and you have them sealed properly, you know, they're... Uh, they're you know they're pretty indestructible okay. at this point as long as someone doesn't uh try to pop them pop them open and uh put a straw down in there yeah so yeah people have if this area the the barrel area and the game room area has turned into a a fun hangout and people are hang people are sitting on them leaning on them and uh really it's just kind of turned into a fun area of the of the brew pub so yeah no big deal so in terms of barrel aging you know what have you got in there and what do you hope to do and you you're talking about a, a mount series maybe you're going to have a barrel age series and that also leads me into the second part of that question you're putting stuff in crowlers i know because you've got a bunch of them sitting over there are you going to can or bottle or is it just going to be crowler yeah, so we're going to start small in this barrel aging program. So I've got six 25-gallon barrels here. They are uh, bourbon barrels from Whiskey Acres Distillery out in DeKalb. I've got my double stout in them now. And uh, the idea is that uh, so 75 gallons of that beer is just going to be a uh, bourbon barrel aged double stout and the other 75 gallons is going to be a bourbon barrel aged double stout along with some coffee that I get from a local uh, coffee roaster. Oh, cool. And to ask, answer your question about uh, packagings, so along with our 32-ounce uh, crawlers that are filled on demand, I convert that machine over to uh, fill 16-ounce cans, and I've been filling about 216-ounce cans per week. We sell those in four packs, wow. and they're in our... Uh, small retail cooler in the front mm -hmm. okay so um in terms of a double stout versus an imperial stout what's the difference there because i'm going wait a minute what's the is it abv or roastiness or yeah what? I'd, I'd say that uh the imperial stouts are going to be higher in abv than my double stout my uh double stouts at 7.3 percent and you often see some imperial stouts that are you know 10 11 12 percent abv Okay, so Ken, yes, what off the uh, off the list here that you see of the eleven beers? Um, what do you think is the one that, from your perspective, being a brewer, is the one that you go, wow, that's kind of interesting. I, you know, that's a really adventurous beverage. Um, I think, you know. I, I would have to say it's either the white stout nitro or uh, or the cherry sour. And we didn't get to the cherry sour, so, yeah. How, yeah, the others are, are uh, I mean, they're, you know, Nathan has a little bit of a twist on a lot of these styles, um, but they're very well-known traditional, you know, styles that are, right. you know, it's what you would expect from a new brewery. So do you have a assistant or is it just you at the moment? Uh, just me. Just okay. me. 
That's how you keep your boyish figure, I can tell, like, <laughs> doing everything. Well, I, I wanted to ask a question. I see the okay. fermenters. It, it looks like, are those double batch fermenters? Yeah, so we've got six fermenters here. Three are 20 barrel fermenters, three are 10 barrel fermenters. That's cool. Uh, I, I haven't done any double batches yet, but I'm going to uh, do that pretty soon on our RPA, IPA. What does that mean, uh, double batch? Well, so I could brew uh, two turns or two brews into one tank. Oh, cool. Okay. Have you ever taken any of the, what do they call it, the second runnings and done mm. something with that? Because I know, Ken, you do it's a... Party, the style yeah, is model. called Party Guile, um, yeah. but it's making two batches of beer from the same mash. I personally have not done that. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> well, I you're going to say, but I might try it, but no, no, okay. <laughs> so, Ed, how do you feel um, about so far that you've been open, what, two months? So, no, we've been open, this is the, we're in the middle of our fifth week. Oh, fifth week, okay. Yeah, Holy so cow. fifth week, and that's the most impressive part when you say, oh, we've been open five weeks, yeah, or close to five weeks, and, and Nathan's brewed over 20 styles of beer. Um, super that's a really really impressive uh, um, impressive tap list and I think that's part of the part of my vision of Icon Oak is let's find some really the, the beers that that are are most popular and find a few of those and we'll keep those around and then you know Nathan's an incredible brewer and let's let him be creative and come up with some funky fruity stuff and and try some traditional stuff and let's just keep the tapless fresh and you know when you combine a really fun tapless with a really fun uh, culinary program I think that lends itself to to a lot of success because it it gets people to come back more than just once a month or once every two weeks but gets people to come back and look forward to hey they're releasing two beers on monday mm. god we got to go in and try it so I, I think that's been really the the most exciting part of opening up this business is just the the fact that we've had turnover in our beer because we're selling it which is great mm -hmm. but also we've had return guests come in and say you know hey ed wow incredible job with that new golden ale we we had the pills last week, and and now you have this gold nail on tap, You're, and and people that that's bringing somebody back in in a week, and that's really uh, that's really about, you know building that customer base and building that loyalty and that following um, for the business is just gonna you know create a, a great atmosphere and a great uh, presence in the western suburbs for Icon Oak. When I get here on Mondays, I, I see. Uh how low my sight glasses are on our uh, serving tanks. And uh, man, so last week, uh, due to the, the level of uh, how much beer is left in those serving tanks, I released three new beers. So That's awesome. Yeah, you, you don't see that everywhere. That, you know, and just three new beers you know, released in one Sight week. glasses are the things that tell you how much beer is left. Exactly. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so what I did then, <laughs> so, so if when those serving tanks go empty, either I'm going to put uh, a new beer of the same variety in one of those tanks, or I'm going to keg off the last uh, two barrels into four kegs and then clean the tank and put a new beer in there. So, yeah, I had to uh, put three new beers in there last week. That's cool. So, uh, I see, uh, is that a crowler sealer over there? Correct, yes. So, it's uh, 
set up for uh, our bartenders to fill 32 ounce crawlers on demand and then once a week I'll change that over to be able to seam 16 ounce cans oh really and then cool. that's when I'll fill about 200 16 ounce cans we'll sell those in the four packs and the cooler in the front that's and then fantastic. I change that back over to 32 ounce cans for the bartenders to fill the crawlers that evening and you also I think do things for the designated drivers or the non-drinkers because I'm I would expect being a food place uh, you're going to have families coming here so yeah we have a we have obviously being in the western suburbs and located uh, in between Downers Grove and Naperville and, and in Woodridge we have a, a a big family you know customer base and so we and I, and I have a bunch of kids myself so we have um we have some uh fun kid drinks they're from xl bottling which is down in southern illinois oh, yeah. and we've got some really fun uh, bottled sodas kind of specialty bottled sodas that we sell um and they in in not that people come to a brewery to to have a specialty soda but right. it's a i i feel really great about serving that soda a my kid you know it's kid kid approved my kids love they each got to pick out of one of the one of the varieties and B, every time they come here, which seems like a lot right now, uh, <laughs> they they want to order one of those sodas, and you know it's a fun a fun bottle. It's you know great flavor, really a great company. So I'm I'm proud to serve XL Bottling, and and you know we we do root beer we do root beer floats, and you know just you know you, you have to have a variety of, right. of things for everybody, and and I feel like you know with our great beers, we have a really good spirits program. And our non-alcoholic beverages are, you know, I think they round out the, ta- the, the, the guest experience really well. Yeah, I was going to say, after talking to you guys, I, I would say Iconoke is the real deal with, with uh, craft beers. But, you know, bring everybody in the family. They've got wine, spirits, uh, and the sodas he was talking about. Right. Um, and a cider, too. Arr, good old of course. cider. There Boy, the, you go. Oh, you, you guys must have a you have a brew pub license here. Yeah, correct. We yeah. have a brew pub license, okay. so we have. So uh, that's how you can buy the other. Yeah, spirits, we have right? all. We have a full a full liquor spirits program, and then our then our eleven house beers, cider, and I we was also t- do some draft cocktails that we uh, oh, a yeah. little bit of adding to our cocktail program. So we have sixteen taps, and so we've added some. Uh, our mixologist has created some draft cocktails that come right off of the off of the tap pro, the tap uh, the draft system. That's cool. All right. I was the, uh, what I was going to mention was Two Fools is your cider, and uh, boy, has Two Fools benefited from the Illinois law that allows brewers to yeah, buy other kidding. brewers' beers. <laughs> yeah, right. Seems but to be you everywhere. guys could buy it anyway because the brew pub license. But all right, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Quick questions before we go. Nathan, Ed, favorite TV programs? Favorite music? Nathan? Uh, man, I, I really love uh, rock and roll and 80s hair bands. Uh, favorite band is Guns N' Roses. All right. Uh, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but uh, I like some of the cooking shows like Hell's Kitchen. Oh, there you go. Now you can, now you can combine that with your beers, <laughs> right? And I bet you don't watch many shows, Ed. I can tell. Uh, no, I, I, anything on after midnight, I, I, I might watch. But my favorite TV show over the years has been Seinfeld. I just I like that uh, that that humor. I like it only being thirty minutes long as well. And then my favorite band is uh, 
is the replacements are Minnesota band lived up lived in the Twin Cities for a bunch of years my wife is from the Twin Cities and uh, they've always been a, my favorite band since uh, since the 90s so do you ever the, go to uh, Pints Pub up there been to Pints yeah I love that fantastic place. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> they, got a, they got a, a, an English bowls lawn on the on the roof which is I don't know hmm. it's kind of a weird game but anyway no, enough of that right Okay, who's going to ask the six, answer the $64,000 question? What's your phone number? That's a good question. I don't <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody Fred's knows. not here. Every <laughs> time he asks. Nobody so knows. The, uh, he, you know for the, the record, he's, well, he's looking, looking up that up on Google. What's the address? I'm, I'm, looking address it up in my, uh, I'm looking up in my contact. 6315 Main Street, Woodridge, Illinois, 60517. And we are on Route 53 near the Seven Bridges area. Uh, we're about halfway between I-55 and I-88 on Route 53. See, nobody yeah. needs to know that. Phone. Right, and yes. the phone the phone number is go. 331-998-2907, and you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and also our website is www.ikenoakbrewing.com. Well, or, thank you very much. Oh, sorry, go on. Or you could say, okay, Google, navigate to Ike and Oak Brewing. That's good. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I always just like to ask that question because nobody knows the bloody number. <laughs> nobody, because you always use it like, call Ike and Oak, you know, and they're done. Um, thank you so much, guys. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, and we started off really. I appreciate your time. Um, great beers, good fun. Uh, and we got to get a couple of pints of the Irish uh, in that uh, special glass. So we always uh, raise our glasses at the end. Unfortunately, our glasses are empty, but we'll see how this works. And uh, I don't know if it's good night for me. I think it's good morning for me. Yeah, good morning for me. Yeah, Top of the morning. morning. Top of the morning. Now. Top of the morning. Cheers. Cheers. A little bit of clinking going on there. <laughs> Let's do a little clink in front of that. Hang on. We got the clink, haven't we? Yeah. Well, you should be in the clink. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm gonna go for a pint of bloody stout now. I'm gonna go for a pint of bloody stout with you. All right, I'm there. Britain Yankee. Britain Yankee. I'll have a pint, young. Go, give us a pint. You got any tetanus? Uh, a pint, please, Barbara. Give me another pint. Please, Barbara.